Welcome to another episode of Lifelong Learner. This is the Out of Class Edition with Ben, Janesh, and Matt. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lifelong Learner. Uh, Matt, you're still, where are you tuning in from today? Uh, my house. Yeah. Like Ben, now Ben likes to sit in front of his motorbike. Uh-huh. Me too. Nice. more practical. If oh. I leave it out the front, it gets stolen. So, <laughs> so it's in the house. Yeah, this is our downstairs area. And then um, we've got an upstairs bedroom too. So if I have friends over, they get the downstairs area. So that's your, is that your front door? You drive the motorbike in. You can literally put the brakes on hard, launch over the front of the handlebars and land on your bed. On the guest's bed, yeah. This is like kitchen area. Yeah, I'll show you quickly. There's like a kitchen. Mm. Oh, nice. Right, and how long are you in uh, this place for? Um, at the moment, I've, I've rented it for three months. Yep. So, um, yeah, just sort of stay here for three hey, tell months. Tell us, what is, what is a, like a, almost like a one-and-a-half-bedroom house in Lombok mm. cost for three months? Oh, nothing. Like, this place is a little bit more expensive. It was renovated by an Australian guy. Um, so they've done it pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's Australian, so he's expecting a little bit more money for his return. Um, so he normally would stay here and then um, rent it out when he's not here. And his plan was to be here quite a bit. And then stuff happened during COVID. He actually lost his wife, which is a pretty sad story. And so he hasn't been back. So now he's just trying to rent it out. Um, mm. So it's about six million a month, which is quite expensive. Six hundred bucks. Gen- mm-hmm. Generally, you can get a house, a local house. I've got a friend living down the road. Local house, two bedroom with a kitchen, um, two point five, so two hundred fifty bucks a month. A month. Two hundred fifty a month. So You're six hundred a month. Yeah. So between there if you want to have basic yeah. 2.5 and if and that comes with a backyard too so i traded a backyard for being close to town um mm-hmm. that's like literally concrete right out there not very nice um but lily lives there so, so now it's awesome i just open the door she comes in and hangs out mm-hmm. i'm literally 30 seconds from town so i can walk in or skate in um but you do you pay mm. more mm-hmm. um, there's aircon in every room, furnished. Don't have to worry about buying mattresses, that kind of stuff. If you get a local house, sometimes it's hit and miss. You might have to get a new mattress. So, way cheaper than Australia still. And it's pretty nice. So, we're happy. And Ben, mate, you got your shirt off. For those that are listening and not watching, uh, Ben's got his shirt off and he's got palm trees in the background, mate. Where, where are you? Definitely not in Melbourne because I'm looking out window right now there's uh there's gray skies at the moment well mate there's gray skies behind me actually it was a beautiful sunrise this morning uh and by the way yes i've got my shirt off mate, i was born with my shirt off you know you know my story right so i, I was thinking about this the other day i think it's been nine years i think it's been nine years now going on that i've been exercising um, without a shirt on. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was what I made years ago when I started Wim Hof, and I was getting in the swimming pool to get a cold exposure, 
uh, getting in my cold pool at home. And I thought, why am I doing this kind of miserable thing when I could just go for a run or a walk out in the cold <laughs> and, and, you know, kill a couple of birds with one stone rather than just sitting in my cold swimming pool. Um, and so I started exercising in the middle of winter without any clothes on, except for shorts and a pair of runners. Uh, and I continued. And here I am nine years later, and I still, like, competitions run. You know, you and mm. I run together. Uh, I do the runs without the shirt on. And uh, and it makes it way easier if you're on the Gold Coast to do that. Uh, so, yes, it's 7 a.m. here at the moment on the Goldie. And uh, it's 21, 22 degrees. Matty, you know the story. You're in Bali. Um, uh, it's uh, glorious. So what? <laughs> I've been for my walk and talk with uh, Rhino. Mate, so rewind. Hey, come on. What, um, <laughs> what are you doing in the Gold Coast? Oh, look, we have, we have a policy uh, of eight <laughs> weeks holiday a year, um, which is compulsory uh, in my organisation. And so... In your organisation, so that's for everyone that works? Or is that just your organisation? No, not Is that just your organisation <laughs> in terms of you and Michelle? Leadership team. Yeah, yeah leadership team. So if, if you're listening uh, and you work for Mornington Ben Cairo, uh, Ben just said you have eight weeks off a year, so please cash that in at your earliest convenience. Yeah, oh, by all means, you can have as many days off as you like. They're just unpaid. <laughs> uh, as is mine, eight weeks a year. They are unpaid holidays. Um, yeah, so we just we just... We just think have a break away. Life's too short, particularly when you're about to turn 55 this year, to not have lots of lots of breaks. So it's a quick little getaway, Goldie. Um, and uh, it is actually, to be honest, it's, I just sort of realised that we are sort of celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. We didn't get away on our 30th in February. Mm. And we're going to delay. And uh, so we're kind of away for that. We spoke to us about Except I've just remembered. <laughs> so, how long, something special happened on Friday. How long are you uh, up in the Goldie for, Ben? Oh, a week and a half. Yeah, cool. You, you don't always take week your eight weeks yeah. in one yeah. go. So, this is a week and a half. No, we have. We have. We, we had 14, 15, 16 weeks last year. So, but this year, eight. Eight is the limit. Eight is so, the, so, eight is the minimum. Eight is the minimum or eight is the maximum? Eight is the minimum. Eight is the minimum. Yeah. Um, Didn't you just take time off? um, I'm reading a book at the moment. Sorry. I was going to say, didn't you just take time off for like a bike trip or trek? Weren't you going on your bikes for like 10 days? Yeah. That doesn't count as a holiday uh, no, that's a separate no. cohort. No, no, that was we we're going to do that. It was either do that. That's right. We we're either going to do that, or we were going to come away. Mm. And um, we decided to come away. Yeah. So um, I'm reading a book at the moment, um, Harvard Business Review, and they're talking about flexible time. About lots of organisations post COVID now. Does this flexi? People are way more flexible around time and organising time around their lifestyles, working from home. Um, that's been, I reckon that's been a big shift. That's been a big shift across a lot of organisations mm. um, where people have got this flexibility. Even people 
even organisations where their team are required to be on site, mm-hmm. managing to create some kind of flexibility in the workplace uh, around the about when you are on site. Mm-hmm. So we'll see a shift. Continue to see a shift in that people creating more lifestyle. Um, yeah, I think as long as they're getting, as long as they're getting their work done right does it does it really matter like as long as they're getting their work done and there is some positive culture within the organization does it every properly but does it in the realistic thing does does everything else matter i don't know it's interesting though because you know, you're super quiet am i i don't know whether you're plugged in to be honest Listeners, what do you think? Is he quiet? Yes, she's Am I quiet? quiet? You're quieter than Ben. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'll speak louder. That might be my first way of fixing it. Um, but it, it is interesting. Well, I don't reckon really your mic is picking you up, mate. Really? Your mic can uh, Yes. Better? You sound like you're on the toilet. For those uh, that are just listening and not seeing Matt, Matt is not on the toilet. Um, I'm in a concrete, what they call a ruco. Maybe it's echoey. I've got to put some things on the wall. Does it sound horrible? Are people going to hate this? They're going to mute me whenever I'm speaking? Nah. No, mate, it's, um, it's interesting. It's like you're in a bunker. You're ready for the zombies and it sounds like you're in a bunker. It's 4 a.m. here and cats above me, so I am somewhat in a bunker. Yes. Um, yeah, it is interesting that I, I wonder what the statistics are and how many people now are working remotely. But there's flexibility there, but I wonder what the effects are culturally as well because if you're not hanging out as much um, on site, you know, I just know from my experience at the gym, for example, when I want to go to the gym and I had that routine of getting in my car, driving to the gym, and then I'm there, I'm, I'm on. Do you know what I mean? When I get there, I'm on because there's a transition. There's a period of, you know, getting ready, getting organized, and then I get in the car. Once I'm in the car and I get to the location, I'm already in the, the zone for work. Same with the gym. Um, yeah, I really wonder what the effects are when people are working in the next room on mass, do you know what I mean? I, I, I imagine it's great for some people. Um, I really wonder what that, what the effects will be in five years time when we start having one third of all people now working from home, what's going to happen to people's motivation, what's going to happen to the connection of staff. It's a really interesting time. And once you bring in AI as well, like a lot of people's jobs are going to be replaced and they're going to be, taking different positions. It's a really curious and it happened so quickly. You know, when you think about only two years ago, everyone was at work at a physical location. It's really curious. What are your thoughts? I would say definitely, I would say in the next five years, there's, uh, probably another massive problem coming 
that we're starting to see signs of at the moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're starting to see signs at the moment. However, it seems like no one's doing anything uh, in like just social, social skills. Social skills, um, we're seeing a rise in, in Victoria and in Australia, we're seeing a rise in um, mental health issues across the board, but we're also seeing mental health issues um, in, in a lot more young people at the moment and conversations on mental health happening at an at a earlier age, which is great. However, um, some of these um, young people are having these questions a lot earlier than what they did five years ago, right? And it's a question that I have, like, what is, where are we going with it and what systems are going to be put in place to support um, that potential issue? And I think, yeah, the social issue is going to be interesting, right? Like, I don't know if in five years people will be as comfortable to go out and just order themselves a coffee, right? Like, if they're getting Uber Eats and stuff like that, that might be the norm across it, across a lot of people. Um, it's already a lot of people at the moment, but I think it's going to rise, unfortunately, um, and that social aspect is going to take a hit. That social skills, I think, they don't – social skills, unfortunately, probably is not something they teach, but they probably do need to. Mm. I, 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 saw, I don't know whether I saw a doco, what it was, um, about – I'm pretty sure this is what it was about – that there was these people which just never leave home. They just never leave their home, not because of their, you know, they've got one of those can't leave home phobias, um, but just they order in. I need to. They get, they buy their clothes online. Everything gets to Amazon. Um, they've got heating, water, you know, everything in their apartment they ever need, and they can order everything, and they never need to go out. Again, not that they're scared of go out, going out. It's just sufficient for them just to. Stay home, and as you say, you wonder what's happening with their social skills. Michelle and I were talking about this just recently, and we're talking about how you know that, that back in our day, one of those back in our day kind of conversations, which our parents had, which their parents had, which their parents had. Um, is are we just are we just transitioning to another stage, which will become the norm, and it'll all work out? And everything will be okay, like it was twenty years ago for us, and twenty years before that, twenty years before that. And um, what I worry about, and I think, and we seem to always seem to get on a mental health conversation here, is that we're we're breeding a generation that. That, oh, what's the word I want to use without being careful? Well, I'm not being careful. That have got this, um, this get out of jail free card of mental disease, mental health. Instead of just taking a can of toughen up and get on with it. Like, you know, have we got, have we got, has our environment changed, which is causing a mental health crisis? Or have we created a mental health crisis that is everyone's get out of jail free card when going gets tough and you start to feel some flutters in your chest and things feel a bit awkward? You can go, oh, I'm suffering with anxiety. I've got some depression. 
That's why I can't. Mm. What do you reckon? Maddie? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one, right? There's so many nuances. I think that, that for a large cohort of people it could be an excuse. Absolutely, right? We know that um, since the dawn of time, there's been, for example, at school, the kid who leaves their uniform behind deliberately because they're self-conscious and they don't want to be doing gym class, for example, you know, or there's the um, the person that has the headache so they can't go to school. Like we, we learn at a young age or we come up with strategies at a young age to avoid discomfort. Um, and we do that at an older age. And so, yeah, you, you know, if your strategy is to avoid, then you're going to use whatever you can at your disposal to avoid. And mental health is a great story you can tell. And people are scared to question it because we're in a, a time where, yeah, there is a lot of it. So it's a way that you could potentially manipulate a situation use it for sure and is that happening 100 percent, it is it definitely is and yeah it's really really difficult because for some people i think acknowledging that they have a problem is their real challenge before they can even address it so now you've got this just you know thick kind of confusion that people are gonna either consciously manipulate or unconsciously you know um use yeah i mean it's i think you're right i think there definitely will be situations where people are using that as an excuse and really what they need to do is be exposed to the very thing that they're scared of and get in get in there and, and deal with it um and then for some people they've tried that right and they need some fucking help they need to admit i've got a problem but i think with young people particularly that the excuse maybe is is quite high because you haven't lived enough time to, you know, exposure seems to me in my experience to be the answer to a lot of things. Just do the thing you're scared of. If you're anxious, fucking just confront it and go out and be out there. It's going to be awkward, clunky, and you're going to feel embarrassed, but you're going to build resilience. You know, if you're, I think exposure a lot of the time is the answer for many, many things. Yeah, it's a complicated issue, though, because there's going to be some people that really are suffering and that might not be the answer. What do you think, Janesh? I mean, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a tricky one. I think also uh, people that may start with that, and there's this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, so it's a little hard, so they kind of potentially hide behind a mask and then it it's the story they're feeding Right, so then this thing is just this little molehill that literally will turn into a mountain, right? And then it actually becomes debilitating because there's they're packing on this story, and then their physiology is matching this story, and they go, "Oh, look, I can't." And then they go, "Oh, I really am anxious, and I can't really get out of the house, or I can't uh, make eye contact with someone." And it it's like this story builds, and I don't think. Uh, and again, I know. I'm probably, I shouldn't say this, but I will. But I don't think people are actually doing themselves anything about it at an early stage, potentially, right? They're not doing the work 
or seeking the assistance um, for it, right? So, yes, this exists, all that, and uh, it's been said like, yep, you can harden up, but there's also like a, you got to take some responsibility there. Oh, I think that you need to seek seek the assistance, right? Given some of the people that know what is available um, and exposed to certain strategies. So I know people that I've come in contact with that know, know the strategies, right? They know people that are willing to help, um, but they're just, they're just not going to put in the work, right? It's because it's easy not to. Um, and it's like this excuse or this facade that they can hide behind, um, which I'm like, oh, and I think as a society, we're getting a little bit more allowing of those excuses, right? Like I think, I reckon even just pre-COVID times, you would hear it and someone would go, not that they wouldn't show empathy or compassion. They go, yep, I hear you. Great. But I'm going to see you at work tomorrow, right? It's not like a, now it's like, yes, I hear you. Take as long as you need because I don't want to even go into that because then Fair Work's going to call me, HR is going to call me, I'm going to be on the current affair and blah, 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 blah. Now, like, I think people are too scared to push back a little bit, unfortunately, and I think by not, like, in a nice way of pushing back, it's a detriment to all parties. Mm. And and it depends on the mental health, but often, um, you know, being part of the village will fix a lot of those problems, right? Being around people fixes those problems. Sometimes you're anxious because you don't have any connection. Not And your brain is saying, oh, I'm scared of connection, scared of connection, but actually it's the very thing you need. So when you're forced to go to work and you feel depressed or you feel anxious, you don't feel anxious for much longer because you're forced into the moment and there's people interacting with you and you stop thinking about yourself and how scared you are around people because you're forced to be there. And, you know, the person in the pod next to you actually is intrigued. Why haven't you been here? And they're interested. And and suddenly I think some of those problems do just sometimes go away just out of being forced into that work environment, which potentially now, you know, you you can easily be isolated um, and it's harder for people to support you because there is a disconnect on this screen. You know, it's way more fun um, doing a podcast with you guys in person. There's this energy, there's this, like you can sense each other's presence and you can slap Ben on the back, right? You know, like it's, it's a little bit more real. <laughs> that expression, Ben, that threw me out. I, I think that we keep it PC, mate. This is the uh, this is the PC version. But I think that 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 um has a, <laughs> it definitely seems it seems to have an effect anyway. I think, and potentially, yeah, there's, there's excuses. We can buy into our own excuses and our own story. It's much easier to do that from a screen. I just shut, shut it, and then I'm, I'm with myself and my problems again, and I don't have the support. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's, it's – I think I, I really like what you were saying here about the tribe. I'm watching um, – it's just lazy, lazy times. And often I'm, I run around trying to do stuff and I'm tired. But this one I've gone, I'm going to go totally 
totally into zero cortisol. So we sunbake in the morning, and then the big because it's such a big building that we're staying in, it starts to shade the pool. So I go upstairs and I put a couple of episodes of something on. I've been watching The Hobbit. You know, there's the like there's two hours, two and a half hours. There's three. There's the three components to it. It's just such a great hero's journey. Good versus evil. Evil versus good. There's so much in it. So much great story to, to see in this. Uh, the whole series, of course. Um, but there's a, a there's another prequel to The Hobbit, which is The Hobbit TV series or whatever it's called. Uh, I've been watching that. And it's got the, the little hobbits before they became hobbits. And they they move from location to location based on season. You know, as we did, our ancestors did many years ago. And um, and they all, you know, they, they check the stars and the stars all fall into alignment. And they go, okay, so tomorrow's the day where we pack up and we all shift and move to the new hunting grounds. And um, before they do the shift, they have a big ceremony the night before and they read out the names of the people that didn't make it from the last hunting grounds, that didn't get to make the transition, that fell behind, that couldn't keep up and were left behind to perish. And they just accept that whenever they make this move, they are going to leave some people behind, people that can't keep up. And in this this episode, one of the dads, you know, injures his ankle. It looks like he's not going to be able to keep up. Um, And they're put in the last caravan at the back, at the back of this um, group of caravans that are moving from location to location. And that's, uh, you know, that's the, the mark of death. If you're the last caravan because... You'll easily drop behind. Um, that's how things used to, you know, used to roll. You either kept up or you got left behind. Um, there was a standard. There was a pace that you needed to move to. Otherwise, you got left behind. Now we just carry everyone along for the ride. No one gets left behind. And so we carry all these injured people who may be uninjured. Maybe if we made them walk, they'd get better. They'd get stronger. They'd, they'd, as you said, Matty, you know, it's in that adversity. They'd lean into the pain. They'd lean into the adversity and they'd keep moving through. Uh, I, I just wonder whether we could do that better. I don't know. I feel like we sort of, you, the three of us come around to this kind of conversation all the time uh, because I think we all, the three of us, live in a world personally where being leaning into the discomfort, lifting the heavy weight, we recognise is tough in the time, but it's good for us in the long run. Uh, And we see so much of the world that's just not doing that. Yeah, I think I agree that that concept. But on a lighter note, talking about PC. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Sorry, Matty. I'm ready for your PC comments. On on a lighter note, I was going to say, PC, talking of order in, I'm, I've come up and I love to go for a run in the morning and then a swim. So, but I didn't bring my Speedos. So I've been oh, swimming God. in my undies and I wear these quick dry kind of undies, go for a swim. Sometimes I can't be bothered putting my shorts in. And then on the Goldie, right, you can, you can get around in a G-string. Uh, there's a guy that actually walks around in a white bikini, top and bottom, goes shopping all day and. I don't know what you've seen him up here. He's quite the character. Anyway, so you can walk around your undies. And I thought, look, I could do that. But it'd be good maybe to get some Speedos. So on my phone, online, order 
some speedos and they get delivered like within two days delivered to my building here um so i got some good aussie bumps how many of you have seen the aussie bumps? <laughs> Mate. Really these, are, these are my aussie bum these are my aussie bum shorts for those viewers watching oh, nice um, short shorts but i got those i got those in a pair of speedos and um you know they're, they're so comfortable they're not saggy and wet because there is this again You're talking about the speedos, style, <laughs> speedos right? um, they're they're just quick drawing you know they're not all sticky and clean to you there's this it's really interesting you know i watch blokes getting in and out of the pool and they've got their bodies on and underneath their bodies of course they've got their cotton underpants because you've got to wear underpants underneath your bodies so culture somehow has said right and you see them and they're just you can see they're soggy and they're wet and they're sticking to their legs and then they're sitting on their thing and they're all sitting in this soggy wet cotton you know nappy do uh, <laughs> that do that uh so i do like my speedos um, Mate. Because you don't have that whole soggy, wet nappy. Mate, your next, uh, your next holiday is going to be to a nudist colony, isn't it, mate? So then you don't have to worry about anything. You just get out. You transition. Yeah, drip dry. There's none of this. So there's not even air drying, Matty. It's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm free. I was born this drip way. Dry. I was born this way. I'm going to holiday this way. <laughs> mate, I'm so glad that you brought this up, Ben, because yesterday I saw a guy jacked, like big guy. And he's, he's wearing a really tight um, rash top, right? And speedos surfing. And all the local guys are like, they're having, they're having a laugh and they're asking me, they're like, why is he bothering wearing the rash top if he's not going to wear any pants? And we're laughing and we're chatting about it and we're trying to work out the psychology of the, of the speedos. And I didn't have an answer for him. I said, lads, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a board shooter. I don't know why he's wearing the Speedos. But now, here it is. It's the answer. You've, you've delivered it. So it's about yeah. not being stuck in a, a wet nappy. It's about the freedom, the ease of the dry. And I imagine there's something around the, um, the adversity as well, right? Moving into the discomfort. And embracing the, uh, embracing the, what do you call that? The package. The package. <laughs> the budgie. Um, so, yeah, look, at it, it, it is, it's just, it's super comfortable. I, I can't stand that big soggy thing. Do you wear undies underneath your bodies? No. That, that would defeat the purpose of the bodies. No. I just wear the undies. But there's this whole, I don't know, it's like, I don't, I don't get it. I, don't, I really don't get it. But everyone's doing it, right? And it's just crazy because you know why everyone's doing it? Because everyone's doing it. Mm. This, is, this, mm. this is the craziness that we see. Um, Maybe, mate. And now we, we might as well just get on to not being PC. Maybe they're just protective because if they don't have their undies on underneath it, right, or their boxes or whatever they wear, then maybe they get some uncontrollable boners, mate. And oh, yeah. then they're going to pitch a tent in their bodies, they're going to be at a beach, they're going to potentially see something that they might get aroused by and then go, oh, nope, I need to tame tame the beast and if I leave my cotton uh, tidy whities on underneath, 
he'll be okay. Maybe. Yeah. So, so the, the psychology is those that wear budgie smugglers are better at taming the beast. Taming the beast. They've, and those that – themselves yeah. – yeah, and the ones with control. the yeah, and the ones with the cotton cotton nappies underneath their bodies are like, oh, they're loose cannons, loose, boys. not he, men, they're he, boys, hedonistic loose cannons that will just go, oh, oh, I need to keep this under wraps, otherwise there's a tent coming. Yeah, I think it's um, yeah, there's a guy there, he's just down the floor. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his, he's, I can see he's got his cotton undies on underneath. And, oh, so uncomfortable. Mate, so uncomfortable. you should ask him. Like, ask him. Like, do like a live interview. And go, I got a question for you. <laughs> Why would you wear a nappy when you can wear this ring? I'm, I'm pleased with that, Matty. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that you've, you've said that because, um, uh, I, I was worried that everyone was just dumb. <laughs> you were worried that what? Everyone was dumb. Everyone was everyone was dumb. But what you're telling me is that not you know traditional surfers don't wear undies underneath their bodies. No, nah, it's like when you see someone wearing undies, bodies, and a wetsuit. That blows my mind. It's like, dude, how many layers do you need? Naked in a wetsuit. Don't wear any anything under a wetsuit. Mm. I don't know. You get stuck in a pair of boardies under a wetsuit just out of convenience. But yeah, I don't know why people wear any unless you're borrowing a wetsuit. Why would you wear anything under a wetsuit? I think that's got to be the only reason to wear something under a wetsuit is you're borrowing it. Oh, well, I, I I have had a wetsuit. I, I normally don't wear anything under. And then when I was kiteboarding, I had a few prings and. The wetsuit doesn't doesn't always hold you up. Doesn't doesn't hold the package as well as you know support. Too much room to move when there's water in there. It bounce. It bounce. So I wear. I do wear now under wetties. I always put some speedos on the underneath. Hold the packages. Hold them all up. Mm-hmm. These are the important conversations we need to be having enough about mental health and people that just, we've, you know. We've gone from uh, you know. mental health participation awards to um, to analysing uh, the the summer wear, right, of, uh, of, of, uh, of men, men or That's women, fast, whoever. That's how fast we move. We do. Right? We One do. topic on to the next. We're, we're solving the problems of the world. And look, the psychology behind the speedo, I needed it to be addressed, and I think mm. you've answered that. I do have one more question while we're on the speedo topic. At what point did you embrace the speedo, and was there resistance? Was there anxiety? Was there any – or for you, was it culturally acceptable? Did you have to swim against the current? Because, you know, when you look around, there's a small percentage. You're in a minority. How do you sustain that level of consistency? Yeah, I think like, that's a good question. My dad was a speedo wearer, and um, and I wasn't a I wasn't a surfy kind of dude. So that whole the the, the clothing trend, the surfing clothing trend, wasn't wasn't my thing at all. Rip curl and you know, all that branding stuff that wasn't my trend. I was I, I wasn't all that branding wasn't my thing. So 
Um, so yes, mate, I've had I've been a speedo guy forever. When I first met Michelle, I was a speedo dude. She's not in love with the speedos. <laughs> I think she tolerates them now. Um, but I tell you what, mate. I tell you what, I did get onto for the listeners. Get onto definitely get onto Aussie Bum because they have a speedo range that's that's got it's called the Wonder Jock. It's got a Wonder Jock in it, right? It's got a little pouch in the speedo. Your keys. You put your package. You put your oh. kids in there, and it lifts. It lifts your package in the speedo. So like a push-up bra. Like a push-up bar for your package. That's amazing. Because there's nothing worse than wearing a speedo and the water's cold. <laughs> and you get out. <laughs> and your budgie's gone. Mm. He's dead and gone. It's smuggled gone. itself He's turned away. Him on. No longer See, a budgie. He's, like, He's gone. He's inverted. It. So the wonder, this little wonder jock just lifts it and 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 presents and it just makes it make sure it's always it's always there is i've got two questions you've stimulated two questions one um you you were the son of a budgie wearer is your son a budgie wearer no no he he's foolishly followed down the cotton underpants and ball shorts path oh, okay so that tradition died with you. in his ear flat out in his ear flat out and I have bought him um, shorts like these ones that have the liner in them. So you mm-hmm. know, listeners out, you can get you can get like board. These are like these are short body shorts, obviously, um, but they have that they have the liner in them. You know that yeah. kind of makes sure that you don't fall out. Yeah, and that that the intention of that is that you but don't wear any underwear, right? Correct. Keeps everything together. Yeah, I know he's a short, short guy. No, he has but I wonder. Hasn't followed you down that path. Yes. Mm. Interesting. Um, what about also, you, one no, no speedos for you? Oh, go on. No, no speedos. Uh, no speedos, but I do I do like my short shorts. I don't like long shorts. I don't. Um, and it was interesting uh, when I first moved to the States. They don't um, – certain parts definitely do in certain parts – Majority don't do short shorts, right? Like it's to your knees or just above your knees, right? And um, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. They're like, oh, just, and your shorts are short. I go, yeah, because I've got good fucking legs. That's why. Yeah. Um, but then it was just hard to even buy like shorts that were like casual shorts that weren't, let's say, running or athletic shorts um, that were short over there. Um, but yeah, I can't do. And I can't do long shorts. And I think maybe part of it is also, one, comfortability, but also if I wear longer shorts, I look shorter, right? And it's like I'm not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a middle middle range, like height-wise type of person. I've only got shorts to my knees or a little bit lower than my knees. I look like a midget, right? So I'm like, no, 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 no. But um, I, lo- I love that comment that you said, um, you've got great fucking legs. So, of course, you wear short shorts. Yeah, right. Again, this is like the chicken before the egg, right? Like, if you have bad legs, probably what we need to prescribe you is short shorts, mm. because pretty quickly you can't hide beneath short shorts. So you got to do some work on the improving the legs. I really wonder, Janesh, did you always have nice legs, or did you create nice legs because of your relationship with short shorts? 
Funny, funny you should say that. Uh, so, <laughs> so before like a like a race or a race weekend or something, you're in. Obviously, you're racing in shorts, um, and most weekend like you're in, in in shorts or whatever, right? So I'm like, oh, and I know because I don't own long shorts, right? So I I make sure the legs are like trimmed, they're clean, they're hairless, and I'm like, all right, they're they're, they're good to go. But I think they're probably put go hand in hand. I think it's like, all right, shorts are on. I'm going to look after my legs, right? Um, not always. You were, compl- huh? you were complimented once at a young age. Someone said something. They said, well, oh, Nesh, they did. you have good legs. You shouldn't cover them up. You should wear short shorts. And you went, really? Right. You know, you usually have like three pieces of evidence, mate. I need like a half a piece of evidence and someone gave a compliment like 20 years ago on a, on a calf muscle. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm holding on to this gem. Can't take this away from me. Mate, did someone also say you've got great legs and you shouldn't hide them under the hair? Nah. Where did the getting rid of the hair come from? Oh, I just don't like hair. I don't like body hair. I think as a as a someone from like oh, a Sri Lankan descent, fucking weird. Sri Lankans are hairy motherfuckers, right? So I'm like, I just don't like hair. I don't like uh, I don't like leg hair on myself. Uh, like it just like when you're sleeping at night and you. The sheets, I'm like, it's so much nicer and smoother. Um, your arms? Do you shave your arms? I clip them. I clip them. I don't. I don't like. Yeah, I don't like the massive. Like, there's a bit of hair on them now, but not like they're not bare. Uh, and also, I think when when I started having some weak ankles as well, so when I was strapping my ankles, there was like, I'm not gonna shave off like uh, two, three inches off my ankle. And it looks just dicky. I'm like, just do the whole leg. Um, and when it was during like, like karate and the fighting era of my life, I would constantly get, um, like some deep tissue massage and it hurt more having hair. Right. And then I was like, this, this, nah, this sucks. So there was the practicality. I wish the practicality came first. Practicality came second. Aesthetics. What, Mm. what was that like at an all boys school? I know you went to an all boys school. I went to an all-boys school. Um, young men, we're brutal to each other. Anyone oh. tries to do something slightly different, you get pulled, pushed, down, belittled until you conform and you do what everyone else is doing. Mm. So how did you navigate shaved legs? Did you hide them under high school socks and shorts yeah, or did you just go for it, embrace it, yeah, fight the battle head on? Definitely challenged. Um, but then come to like year 11, year 12, it's funny because a few other people kind of got onto that bandwagon too. So it wasn't really the norm. Um, but probably out of like uni or something, like, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was interesting because it wasn't as like, as I see nowadays as like, no, I mean normal as, as common now, right. To see someone going in like. Like people, I know now a lot of friends will go get their legs waxed, right? Men that will go, you know what? I'm just going to go get my legs waxed, right? Like it's just what I do, it's going to get done. Where it wasn't, it was interesting. And they were like, why? I'm like, because I fucking like it. Um, And they're like, oh. And anything because I said that, they're like, oh, okay. And then, then yeah. that, that, that was it. Um, And it was, yeah, it was interesting because it could have gone either way. I think if I didn't like it, Enough. It would have gone. Well, nah, nah. I'm just let it let it grow out. You, 
to, to create any kind of change, visual change like that, there has to be confidence behind it, right? If you're like, oh, I don't know, just cause, then bang, you get belittled, you get labelled and you can fall pretty quickly, right? you got to know. That's hilarious. There is, there is that. I think, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say I've necessarily got a super confident self-body image. You know, if you're going to wander wander the streets in a pair of speedos, you've got to be you've got to be okay with your body. Mm. Um, and I think I think that comes from wearing the speedos. I think you're right. <laughs> there's it, a chicken of the egg. It's like like ah, oh, do I? You know, at some so nine years ago, like when we started talking on this episode about me deciding to not wear my top. It does keep me a little more honest, I've got to be honest. Like, you know, I go, oh, I've got to go running tomorrow. He's back on the chips with the farmer. <laughs> you know, like it's, um, it does, it does just keep you a little bit more self-aware because what we do is we keep, we buffer by um, putting the heating on. We buffer by putting more clothes on and off to cover ourselves up. We buffer by staying at home. We, you know, we buffer from ever having a bad experience in mm. life. And I think just embracing, letting your body being seen. I think, um, mm. like you've backed yourself you in, help. right? You've backed yourself in, and there's like, oh, it's like a, it's not necessarily an option to go. Oh, I'm going to put my top on. Or hey, I'm away and I'm gonna put some longer shorts on. Oh shit, I don't have any long shorts, or I don't have anything else in my my suitcase to put on. Right, so it's that um, mind, need of necessity. Is, yeah, the mind is forced to follow right with confidence because there's no choice. So mm-hmm. you, yeah, you force yourself into a place where you you have to. Got a got a question for both of you on that when. Uh, when you, Matt, when you said, oh, look, your mind's got no choice, do you think we, us, the world at the moment, give ourselves too much choice and therefore potentially go the easy one, right? If we had like one choice of the, hey, I got my speedos there, that's all you're wearing, right? There's nothing else to wear. If you want to go for a swim, you're wearing your speedos, right? But we're packing like take that analogy, we're packing speedos, we're packing the long shorts, we're packing a wetsuit, and and then you're like, oh, actually, mm, it's a bit cold, and I, no, I don't really feel comfortable with with how I look and do, so I'm going to, I'm going to um, wear, I'm going to wear the, uh, the long shorts, right? As opposed to going, look, I'm going to wear this, and you know what, I'm going to make some active change, and make some choices that, because I've, I've got these, I want to be confident in these. And I want to feel good in them um, and I'm, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to move my body and I'm going to eat well um, because there's there's no other there's no other choice. But now that we've got lots of choice, what do you, what do you think, fellas? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in because, again, I went to a boys' school and we didn't get much choice. We had school uniform, summer, winter. Um, we had a PE uniform and we had budgie smugglers for swimming. That was it. No choice. Um, like it or lump it. And the people that didn't like it didn't bring their school uniform. I didn't bring their, you know, swimming. They, oh, I'm sick. Or they came up with a story. 
because it was probably body image or something and they would just miss swimming, right? And I think without choice, you're all forced into the same thing. Like I remember boys picking on everyone, oh, chicken legs, oh, whatever they could to belittle someone and make someone feel uncomfortable to the point where they wouldn't bring their swimming uniform, you know, for swimming. And I realised at quite a young age that they're just throwing darts at a dartboard. They're not specifically looking at people's legs and going, oh, he's got chicken legs. They're just throwing it out there to see who it's going to affect. And it's going to affect someone. There's going to be someone there that's not confident. And it was me at one point, but I worked it out that, like, my legs are the same as that guy's legs. You know what I mean? Like, we're 13-year-old boys. We This is how we look, you know? And so I started to realise the psychology of it, which was, was interesting. It's like, oh, they're going to throw insults and it's the person that receives it and takes it on and then it becomes a thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're right to some extent. If you take away choice, you level the playing field, that, that's where I became aware of it, that hang on a second, this doesn't really make sense. Um, so I think choice sometimes, yeah, you've got too many options and, and then you can think about, oh, I won't wear the Speedos because my legs aren't that good. Well, if you don't have a choice, then you've lost. <laughs> wear Speedos. Um, what do you think, Ben? Does choice yeah. influence this? Does this create a state of doubt and anxiety because there's just too many options? Yeah, I think. Yeah, mate. I think you're right. I think we we, we give everyone an an opt out. There's always an opt out. There's, it's it's too easy just to not do stuff. You know, I feel like we're going complete circle here. But you know, I remember my dad talking about working at the, at the age of fourteen. Michelle's dad, he was working at fourteen for his dad as a brickie, and he was he was telling me the story the other day that his his dad was crook and they were building this chim- chimney on this property and that it was 45, minute, 45 minutes away by car. So Brian got in the car at 14 years of age and drove 45 minutes to the job and laid bricks all day and then drove home at 14. Like at 14. Yeah. You know, like laying bricks on a hot summer's day at 14 years of age and driving there. Like, 14-year-olds listening, seriously, can it's tough enough. <laughs> mate, mate okay. I saw, I kid you not, I saw a four-year-old walking a three-year-old over a kilometre carrying a gas bottle on the side of a road. And I was like, have, have they, what's going on here? And I stop and we ask, Bobby's like, what are you guys doing? They're like, mum, mum has told us to go and get gas. <laughs> Oh, Four and three. This and they're like kind of holding it together. They can barely walk. You can't really walk in fucking three. And they're just doing it. They're navigating the road, traffic, fucking everything. They've got a mission. Go get gas. Come back. And my brain just went, "Oh my god, kids are so capable. We just we don't allow people to do things anymore." They're three and four, <laughs> like, you know, and yeah. 
And in these countries where people are like, there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of teamwork, right? Like you, you got 10 kids, mm. you get a lot of shit done if those kids are doing stuff. Um, yeah. Mate, in, in Australia, you know, you'll have a grown adult that will need a working ticket, a check, you'll need fucking safety gloves, a helmet, and a fucking like swims to fucking carry that one fucking gas bottle two meters. Yeah. Seven years you know, old collectively. So these these kids, high risk, right? High risk they could get hit by a car. You know, lots of risk and heaps of heaps of people, not heaps, some do exactly what you describe and they don't make it home. Yeah. Yeah. We either have that, we have a small amount that don't make it home, or we have a whole generation who are dead on the inside their entire life while they're alive. Do you know? Like we, we, have, we have a few casualties, we have a whole generation that is a casualty, but they're still alive. A whole generation that suffers with anxiety and depression, a whole generation that never knows what it is to do something tough because with great risk, there is always great reward. Mm. So we have a whole generation with no risk and never really experiencing the rewards that life have. I took a picture the other day, and it was of, of the sky. It was, a, it was a sunset sky. And it was the sky was beautiful, but it had clouds in it. And the picture was so good because the clouds were in it. Mm. Like Otherwise, it would just be this kind of bluish tinted sky but the sky looked so amazing because it had the clouds and I, I posted about that and I said you know just like in nature it's often the clouds that are in our life that make it so beautiful it's those cloudy moments mm. that make life so beautiful and um, I, I feel like we've gone full circle but I, I love it when it happens that way right? mm. that's a great comedy skit it's a great story when the the messages at the end, you know, is what you started with. I think, yeah, I love that um, analogy of the clouds and the contrast. And I think that just on that, that's often what I admire in people, how they navigate the challenge, not how they are when things are going great. It's when the shit hits the fan, who are you? Are you still kind? Are you still caring? Do you still take time to help others or is it all about you? You know, like it's... When things are going great, everyone's it, it doesn't take much character to be polite, to be funny, to be engaging. Um, they're the clouds, right? That's that's what makes a great sunset, it's what makes a great person. It's how they confront adversity. I think that's really really important. And that, you know, what we were saying at the very beginning, that's what's it's something that is lacking is the opportunity to develop character. People move away from it, struggle, develop strength, but they see it as a, a potential um, opportunity to fail, focus mm-hmm. more on what will happen if I get it wrong rather than what happens if you get it right. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Janesh? We, mm-hmm. we're, we're coming to the close. Oh, my takeaway. this up into a pretty bow. I would minimise your choice. Um, back yourself in and if it's raining outside and you give yourself a choice to go inside as opposed to, hey, I'm going to be outside, I'm going to dance in the rain, you're going to miss the rainbow, right? Without without rain, there's no rainbow and if you're going to be inside, you're going to miss it. 
you give that choice there and the people outside that are dancing in the rain, they're going to enjoy the rainbow. So I'll leave it at that one. Very nice. Good, mate. Benny? Really good. Well, make sure, can we put in the show notes, um, Aussie Bum. <laughs> Aussie Bum. Aussie Bum Swimwear. And uh, listeners, check out the Wonder Jock. It's a game changer. Ben's uh, trying to get some promotional goods here. Um, <laughs> if you buy the pool, the Wonder Jock. Um, mate, for me, I, if I was to do a quick summary, I think, again, uh, just do the uncomfy. Do the uncomfortable. It's not com- uncomfortable forever. It's uncomfortable for a short period of time. And um, But the reward, you know, there's no luck. There's no luck in this life. You see anyone that's successful in any in anything, successful in their relationship, it's because they're taking some risk. It's successful in their money, successful in their career, successful around their health. You know, that guy with the big body and the tight, tight top, he worked hard at that. He took some risks. He lifted a heavier weight each day. Um Embrace the risk because there is great reward on the other side. And sometimes not, though. Sometimes it goes to shit. You've got to be willing mm. that that's going to be happen occasionally. Oh, look, I've got, I hate to prolong the podcast, but I've got to say this. I, I caught up with some friends that have opened a new cafe, and I had this same experience when I opened my new clinic in Rosebud just recently. And and you're going to experience this too, Matty, um, and you as well, Janesh, with the things that you do at the summit. But this cafe, they opened yesterday. And I went to opening morning and there were some people sitting on some chairs and I said to Jill, I said, you know, do you know these these people? She goes, no, no, they're just, they're just customers. I said, well, where were they yesterday before you opened? Where were they last week? Where were they getting their coffee? Where were they spending their $5? Where, where, where were they? I said, they didn't exist. Your coffee that they're drinking didn't exist until today. And that's because of you, because the risks you took, the, the money, the time, the energy and the sanity that you put in to launching the Whiny Cow on Main Beach, all that, you've created, you cre- literally created this. This is what entrepreneurs do, business owners do, leaders do. We, cre- we create, and there's huge risk in that. There's huge risk in that creation process, but huge reward. And we create something that didn't exist before. I think that's just just amazing to think about. Even as I was sitting there, it wasn't even my business. I was just in awe of the fact that they've created this thing that did not exist the day before, and there are now people that are spending money and eating their food because of their time and their effort and their energy and their sanity. So, so this great reward. Mm. No, I love I love that. I love hearing those stories. Right when you're in the um, process of taking massive risk you need to hear stories of it of it working right like that's fuel um yeah and i guess my final thing would be around risk too is it's it's risky um starting a business it's risky having a dream it's risky you know putting all your money into something um but it's also risky not doing those things it's risky not having a dream it's risky not taking a risk like we know how risky life is you're never going to get out of life so might as well take some risks um by choice knowing that that's where the growth is that's where you know the sunset is Mm -hmm. it's the risk and 
and the story associated with it, you know, whether it's good or bad, that's the beauty of it. Like if it goes to shit, um, people admire people who are courageous and you've always got people to go back to and share the story. Like I tried and it fucked up. What do I do now? Try again. <laughs> Try something different. Mm. Good guys. That was awesome. All right, listeners, hope you enjoyed and there's lots of gold gems in that one. So till next time, have a good one. See ya. See you later. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you like this episode and want to know more and hear other episodes, head over to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter where you'll be the first to know when new podcast episodes come out. And if you want to say hello, tell us a joke or ask us a question, send us an email at hello at lifelonglearnerpodcast.com. Thanks again.